SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome to hour number two of the morning after live right here on this Wednesday on SportsGrid and Sirius XM Channel 159. That's the home for SportsGrid Radio on Sirius XM. All across the Spiz Grizz Network, that is also SportsGrid. And I am Ben Stevens. Thank you for joining us here on this Wednesday morning. We'll continue going around Major League Baseball to end out this second hour, the stretch run of this MLB campaign. We will also hit on the final Grand Slam event of the year, the 2023 U.S. Open, following two days of action up in Queens. And to start off hour number two, some hoops headlines for you here on Hump Day. It is a Wednesday, and pool play is now done for Team USA in the 2023 FIBA World Cup. The Americans, a perfect 3-0, as was the expectation. In their finale, in the overnight hours, the U.S. absolutely routes Jordan, 110-62, a victory with a 48-point margin. Team USA even covering as a 41.5-point favorite. The total, however did stay under because the Americans scored 110 points and Jordan only scored 62. Look at that image just for a second in the graphic that shared out the final score. That's Jaron Jackson Jr. who deserves to be on a national team. And not that big game BP, Bobby Portis does not, but again, it's just pretty hysterical to see Bobby Portis Jr. with an arm bar with Triple J to celebrate the Americans going a perfect 3-0 at the 2023 FIBA World Cup. Shout out, Big Game BP. No slander. I promise that. So, Team USA, a perfect 3-0 through pool pool, pool play Excuse me, at the 2023 FIBA World Cup. They scored 106 points per game. They only allowed, on average, just a tick shy of 72. They beat New Zealand in their opener by 27 points. They beat Greece in their second game by nearly 30, 28 points. They beat Jordan... By 48, they were dominant. Now things get a little bit more difficult. The Americans were the outright favorites entering with a minus 145 price or so to win the championship at the 2023 FIBA World Cup. They were heavily favored to see the quarterfinal, heavily favored to appear in the semifinal, even an odds-on favorite price to appear in that championship game as well. It gets more difficult now, though, for Team USA. There's been a lot of conversation around the basketball world. What does it mean to be a world champion, right? Team USA trying to prove that at least here at the 2023 FIBA World Cup. We're in the stretch run of this Major League Baseball season. We're also in the stretch run of this WNBA campaign here in 2023 as well. We're nearing the postseason in the end of the regular season. Some results from yesterday around the W, a triple header. The Mystics knock off the Lynx. They win by 11. They cover as a six and a half point favorite. The Atlanta Dream hammering the Mercury, winning by nearly 20 points, covering as an eight and a half point favorite. The Sparks are getting hot, but they do go down yesterday against Chicago. LA was booked as a four and a half point favorite. The Sky winning outright by one as a four and a half point underdog. We've talked about the tier of two. This new super team era in the WNBA in 2023. The Aces and the Liberty. It was game of the year five on Monday night. New York winning 
by nine points in Brooklyn. The Liberty have taken three of five against the Aces. But elsewhere around the WNBA, a different story. We welcome in our Sports Grid Radio audience here. Hour number two of the morning after live right here on this Wednesday. Sirius XM Channel 1. 59. All of our radio terrestrial affiliates now in the mix as well. I am Ben Stevens. So, as we look at the WNBA standings, the Aces have the first spot, the Liberty behind them, the Connecticut Sun in third. All three of those teams have clinched a playoff spot. There are the three teams in the W that have won more than 20 games. The Seattle Storm and the Phoenix Mercury have already been eliminated. That means there are seven teams battling for the other five playoff spots eight of the 12 teams in the WNBA do qualify for playoff basketball you can see how tightly compact the rest of the standings are the wings 19 and 16 everybody else under 500 by at least a game but still battling for a playoff position in fact teams five through nine at this moment separated by just about three games but you can see how long the odds are for these teams to win a WNBA championship. For instance, Minnesota has the fifth position right now, but it's 210 to 1 to win the WNBA title. The Aces remain a short minus money favorite. The Liberty not all that far behind. A large drop off to Connecticut, a bigger drop off even there from the Sun to the Dallas Wings, who have that fourth best number at 27 to 1. By the way, a moment for the Phoenix Mercury. They lost over the weekend, officially eliminated already from postseason consideration in the W. That snaps a 10 year playoff streak for Phoenix. It was the best in the WNBA. It has now come to a close. All right, game week for week number one of the college football season starts tomorrow. Five consecutive days of college football starting tomorrow. 85 games in total over that five straight day span featuring at least one FBS team. And by far, the game of the weekend happens on Sunday night in Orlando. It is number five LSU, number eight Florida State. A top 10 tussle that has the Bayou Bengals favored by two and a half points. A rematch of last year's season opener that was one of the best games of the year on the first weekend of the year in college football. We're back on the morning after, up next after the commercial breaks. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back to a Wednesday. Live right here on the morning after on SportsGrid and Sirius XM Channel 1. 59. Day number two of the final Grand Slam of the year in the world of tennis is now in the books. The 2023 U.S. Open continuing in the opening round this week up in Queens. I am Ben Stevens. Thank you for joining us here on this Wednesday on the morning after. We welcome one of the best tennis handicappers you will find in the space, Pam Maldonado from the Yahoo Sportsbook. On to the morning after on this Wednesday right now to break down everything you need to know on the hard court in Queens for the final Grand Slam of this year. Pam, as always, we appreciate the time here on TMA. No, thanks for having me. Anytime I can talk tennis, I'm 100% in. <laughs> Pam Carlito getting his title defense underway yesterday. Carlos Alcaraz with a victory via retirement midway through the second set. 
in his opening match against Dominic Kupfer yesterday up in Queens. Of course, Alcaraz, the reigning 2022 U.S. Open winner, victorious in the most recent Grand Slam this summer, knocking off Novak Djokovic at the All England Club in London for his first Wimbledon crown. What did you see, Pam, although it was only about a set and a half yesterday, out of Carlos Alcaraz in his first encore performance up in Queens? Alcaraz is fine. Right now he's the second favorite, plus 180 to win the U.S. Open. I'm, that's a fine price for me. Alcaraz is one of those players now. I'm going to say it because I have been saying it. He is, he is part of the big three. <laughs> he may not have the titles. He may not have the resume. He's 20 years old. He is well on his way. He has every weapon at his disposal. He's comfortable. What we've seen from Akras, not just on, on clay court, not from this year, <laughs> and especially we saw it at Wimbledon, is Akras has the ability to figure out what he needs to do mid-match and then execute with just fire. And that is something... When you have somebody like Djokovic, who is the best player in the world right now, and on not just on tour, but over the last decade, up there with with Nadal and with Federer, when Djokovic is saying to media, I have never played somebody like Atkaras, that is firepower right there. Because he has faced the best of the best for a very long time. And now he's facing somebody entirely new. To think about everything that Novak Djokovic has done in his career, to be the younger side of the old guard of Federer and Nadal, to give Carlos Alcaraz his respect following that Wimbledon final that was sensational in July really shows where Carlos Alcaraz is only at the age of 20 years old. Novak Djokovic is the world number one player once again. Pam, these two have tussled for that distinction all summer long. Djokovic is the favorite in Queens, even money plus 100. But Carlito only 75 cents behind at plus 175. Pam, as you look at the men's draw for the 2023 U.S. Open, is there a clear tier of two as the odds would indicate? Definitely it would be number one and number two, Carlos Alcaraz and Novak Djokovic. Alcaraz to me has a fairly easy path. A lot of the media is saying that it's a very difficult path. To me, I see opposite. His next match right now against Lloyd Harris, um, who's been in and out of injury, Alcaraz should come out with a straight set win. We just saw him walk win via walkover, so he's refreshed. He's not going to be tested likely until the quarterfinal against possibly Alexander Zverev or Yannick Sinner. In my opinion, it's going to be Carlos Alcaraz against Zverev. And if that is the case... I will, and I say that because I like Zverev in a potential matchup against Sinner in the fourth round. Sinner, Zverev over Sinner holds a three to one head to head record. Sinner has a very shaky first round history, but he did just fine in this tournament. He lost the opening. Um, Sinner has, he, I, in my opinion, Sinner has the tougher draw, but Zverev is 18 and seven overall here. He absorbs pace. He has the experience. He has the baseline power. So that's somebody that can contend against Sinner. Now, if that does come to fruition, then I definitely love Akaras over Zverev because of the way that he destroyed Zverev at Madrid, a 6-3, 6-3, then 6-1, 6-2 in back-to-back years this year. Madrid is Zverev's best tournament, and he just made him look like complete a chump change. Now, Sinner is the player that can definitely contend, but I still like Carlos in that matchup anyway because this is a best of five, and what we have saw from how he just like kind of dismantled, I'll say that word, Djokovic at Wimbledon, who's the best grass court player. Yeah, nobody's going to compete. And then you have Djokovic, who also has the easiest draw. Djokovic (laughs) last won this tournament back in 2018, 81 and 13 here. Maybe 
maybe we see Joker challenged in the quarterfinal if it is Taylor Fritz, American Taylor Fritz. Um, 2021 Australian Open, Fritz pushed Joker to five sets. Fritz is a much better player now. He's more aware of when to push, when to hold back. He has a better court sense. He has patience now much better than he ever has. So if it's not Fritz, catch that ticket to Joker to reach the final ticket because that's the it's Djokovic against who from the top? It should be Carlos Alcaraz. That's a minus 240 price, by the way, for Novak Djokovic to reach the men's final at the 2023 U.S. Open. You saw that graphic there, Pam, of the draw and how it sets up for Djokovic against a potential top-ranked opponent and their odds to win the men's title. It seems like a rather simple path for Novak Djokovic to get back to the U.S. Open final where he was in 2021 before being knocked off by Daniil Medvedev. Of course, Djokovic looking for his 24th Grand Slam championship. It would be the most ever in the world of tennis, either men's or women's in the Open era. So, Pam, when you have Djokovic, an even money favorite already, plus 100, Alcaraz only 75 cents behind, plus 175, and everybody four digits or longer, is there value (laughs) elsewhere on the men's side of the U.S. Open? No, <laughs> because if it's not Akaras who's winning the top half, maybe it comes out with Her- Hubert Hurkacz. Maybe it's Yannick Sinner. Maybe Alexander Zverev actually pushes through. Djokovic is still the best player in the world. If it's not Carlos Akaras, because he maybe has his cramps coming up into play, uh, maybe it's going to be a little bit warmer conditions as in week two. We don't know what that weather is going to be looking like. But if it's not Akaras because he stumbles early, well, then maybe it's going to be Djokovic because he is reaching the final and he is the best suited player for this type of surface in these conditions. Um, it's Djokovic or pass. Minus 240 not, again for Novak Djokovic. Yeah, for the even money favorite to make the men's final here at the 2023 mm-hmm. U.S. Open. Pam, we are on to round number two at the 2023 U.S. Open. It's supposed to be steamy today here in the New York City area. Pam, as you look up and down the draw for this Wednesday action up in Flushing, what's your best bet? I love I love Dominic Team plus 120 as an underdog to the American and Ben Shelton. Um, and it is a little bit of warmer conditions today. It's 80 degrees, but that is still slower conditions and works in towards team's favor. Um, he can control the pace. He's played against big hitters. He had a straight set win in a major, which is the, something he hasn't done in a very long time. Team is 5-2 against lefties, which is exactly what Shelton is. And he has far more experience. Let's not forget that Team actually won this tournament a couple of years ago. Whereas Shelton, he only has was six matches, less than a dozen matches of major experience to his resume. Team knows how to handle big servers because he had to get through big big servers like Alexander Zverev to his win. He's just coming right into form at the perfect time. He has the serve. He has the backhand. What he needed was his forehand. And now that's kind of looking like he has his confidence back because that's all that was lacking. I love Dominic Team. He's going to continue his rise. I would say 2024 is going to be the year of Dominic Team's full comeback. And right now we're starting to see the beginning of that kickoff. How about an underdog price as round number two starts 
today at the 2023 U.S. Open. Here are some more key matchups on the women's side. The top overall seed, Iga Sviantec, a hefty favorite to advance to round number three. The summer of Coco should continue in Queens. She was tested in her opening round match, though, going to three sets in what was rather a feisty opening round matchup for Coco Goff. Iga Sviantec, Pam, is the favorite on the women's side. Coco Goff, that third best number. Arena Sabalenka, that second best price at plus 430. Pam Maldonado from the Yahoo Sportsbook, getting you set with everything you need to know at the final Grand Slam of this year in the world of tennis, the 2023 U.S. Open. Pam, again, we appreciate the time as always. Thanks for having me, guys. Back to the Major League Baseball diamond. It's the Daily Bases. Up next here on this Wednesday on the morning app. Come back and join us. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. The Daily Base. Live right here on this Wednesday on the morning after on Sports Grid and Sirius XM Channel 159. I am Ben Stevens. Craig Mish joins us here as always on the morning after for some insight around the bigs. Our Major League Baseball insider and of course the host of Newswire starting in just about 35 minutes at 11 a.m. Eastern time live right here on the grid. Craig, can we start with something that happened off the diamond? Yesterday, the Angels putting a couple of key contributors, some starters and some players they acquired at the deadline earlier this month on waivers, including Lucas Giolito, who they traded for from Chicago and Randall Grichik. Craig, have you ever seen anything like that in your many years covering Major League Baseball? And what might the reasoning be for the Angels to do that at this point of the season? Yeah, it's uh, good morning. It's it's a fascinating development for the Angels who acquired players at the deadline to fight for the postseason. And as one person in baseball uh, said to me, it's like they put the players out on the front lawn, essentially. Like, uh, yeah, this yeah. is just a really horrible look for, for baseball. I would have to assume it's very difficult with the collective bargaining agreements and the two sides. But, you know, Ben, I, I mean, honestly, those players, I don't know – I mean, I suppose if all of them went to one team, you can make the argument that, you know, it's it's not fair and all of a sudden they're able to just get players for free, essentially. I don't think that's going to be the case. They'll probably get sprinkled all over yeah. the league a little bit. But this is really not something that I think that can benefit the game because, uh, you know, teams, if they take a cue from the Angels, could just all of a sudden start cutting guys. It could affect the postseason races. And I know there's a waiver system in place as well. Uh, I do expect several of the players to get added, maybe less than what we think, Ben, is my estimation, because, again, you, you know, some of the players, you have to take on some significant salary for the rest of the season. And, yeah. and for me and you, Ben, it may not seem like a lot, but, I mean, does a team want to take on a player for one month for a million and a half dollars or $2 million? I mean, that's that's a lot to ask when you don't know if you're in the postseason or not. So I suspect yeah. that Lucas Giolito will get added. I suspect that Reynaldo Lopez will get added. Uh, you know, I'm not really sure about what, what will happen with Ren, uh, Renfro and Grichuk. I mean, they could be nice additions to a team, but again, you're going to have to pay for that. So we'll just have to kind of see how it shakes out in the next 24 hours. Harrison Bader is the other one on the Yankees, though. Craig, it almost seems like, to me, it's like when your buddies in fantasy football put up guys during the playoffs and you can add a key contributor at yeah. an important point 
of the season. It's wild. Obviously, Artie Moreno is doing this for a salary dump, trying to be below the luxury tax or whatever right. it is in Major League Baseball. The Angels just 8-18 eight and 18 since making that charge prior to the trade deadline. They're seven games below 500 are the Halos, 12 and a half games out of the American League wild card chase. All right, Craig, the Sunshine Series in the state of Florida between the Marlins and the Rays continues today. The opener yesterday goes to Tampa Bay, 11 to 2, the victory for the Rays against the Marlins. Another disappointing start for Sandy Alcantara, the reigning National League Cy Young Award winner. Craig, for Miami, they've dropped nine of their last 12 their chances, it would seem, to stay afloat in the National League wild card race, growing dimmer and dimmer by the day. Down to 13% this morning on fan graphs. So that kind of tells the story there. And and I don't know that the final outcome and the score of that game really indicated how it went. Naturally, I'm watching all of these games. They they brought in a couple of bullpen arms uh, that you know gave up a lot of runs. One guy who was on the uh, paternity list just came back gave up a bomb, and then they brought in uh, Jorge Lopez last night. I, I'm not sure what's going on with him, but he can't get anybody out. So the, the game was actually closer than it would indicate, and Alcantara yeah. really just made a couple of bad pitches. He's actually been better in the second half of the season. The story, Ben, for Miami has been the inability to score runs and the inability to score any runs off starting pitching over the last few weeks. Uh, th- this is a problem that just continues to happen. I don't see any alterations or changes or any way that this is getting fixed outside of the players, uh, I guess, doing it themselves. I-, I really honestly don't know what the issue is. Is it a player's issue? Is it a coaching issue? I can't seem to figure it out. But unless they start scoring runs and start scoring like right now, by next week these odds could be at like 5%. And then at that point, you kind of see the writing on the wall. Right now, the Miami Marlins, three games out of that third and final National League wild card spot. Sandy Alcantara wasn't terrible yesterday, as Craig mentioned. Not all 11 runs did he give up. He only gave up four earned. Aaron Savali's been a pretty good pickup for Tampa on the other side, Craig, since that Major League Baseball trade deadline. The Rays still have the second best record in the AL. They're 81 and 52, nearly 30 games above 500, which is tied for their best mark of the year, Craig, at least the distinction being above that winning line. And yet they are still two and a half games behind the Baltimore Orioles in the American League East. The Astros, the favorites to win the AL at this moment, plus 270, a buck and 30 cents in front of the Orioles. Then a couple of teams from the American League West, the Rangers and the Mariners round out the top five with Tampa sandwiched in between at plus 460. Craig, as you evaluate the odds at this moment, does the order look correct to you? Yeah, it does. And, and we talked about the Orioles months ago when they were 12 to 1 and 16 to 1 and 18 to 1, whatever they were. And, and so those first two teams, I think, should be the favorites. I think they're the two best teams in the American League. We talked about would Seattle get hot? They have. So not a ton of value there anymore at 6 to 1. So, uh, you know, I know we have to fill up a graphic here to make it look nice and pretty on the show, but I just don't see any team in that second column <laughs> winning the yep. pennant. I really don't. And Bo Bichette went on the injured list, too, for Toronto, so who really knows what the story is there. But, yeah, Houston and Baltimore, to me, are still right there. But let's also do this before we go further here. Uh, Tampa Bay, Ben, uh, I, I would ask you to remove the best player or pathetically or hypothetically the best player from a team – on that list, like the Rays have had to remove Wander Franco and still be right there in the mix. 
is an incredible franchise, very well run in that organization. To have them, it's like they lost him and they still do not miss a beat. The Rays were a playoff team last year, of course. They were the number one seed in the American League postseason in both 2020 and 2021. Familiar with this hunt for playoff baseball. A five and a half game advantage, by the way, for Tampa for the top American League wildcard spot where Technically right now, Craig, three teams from the American League West all look up at the Rays, but all three teams in the American League West are tied for the top spot because uncharacteristically, the Mariners lost the game just in general and lost it as near a $3 favorite against the Oakland Athletics yesterday. Seattle, though, still have has won 12 of its last 14 games. The Rangers victorious yesterday. The Astros victorious yesterday, so Craig, that three-way tie atop the American League West. Seattle takes on the A's yet again today in Oakland, again near a $3 favorite. How crucial is it, Craig, for the M's to take advantage of playing the A's at this point of the schedule? Yeah, look, it is important because, again, these are they look like on paper guaranteed wins. As we know, that's not the case. You have to wonder with Julio Rodriguez getting scratched yesterday, if that factored yeah. into the outcome, because clearly Seattle was not able to get anything going offensively. But, uh, you know, generally speaking, the way that this season has gone outside of one winning streak for the A's, as it's sad to say, but they're basically winning like one and a half games a week. Maybe then they got their win yesterday, but, you know, naturally a minus 270 is not something that I'm ever going to be interested in. So, Craig, when you look at the three teams in the American League West right now, all tied for that top spot, the Astros, the favorites in the division, followed by the Rangers. That's how it checks out in the American League pennant prices as well. Of these three AOS teams, Craig, who do you think has the best outlook for October? Yeah, it's still Houston here. Uh, you know, I, I do still think that that's the team that I think is going to end up playing, in my opinion, end up playing Baltimore for the American League pennant. And you also have to wonder, Ben, if Baltimore gets involved in this garage sale with the Angels, too. Like, they could just add Lucas yeah. Giolito to their team and all of a sudden have a number three starter or number two starter to their team as well. But, yeah, I, I think Houston is still the team to beat there. Texas did get the victory yesterday. It, it, their offense still has not shown what it did in the first half and even in July. Yeah. So, eventually, you would think that that comes back. But Seattle could catch Texas. I could see that happening. But I do have Houston still winning the division. A really good pitching performance for Andrew Heaney and the Rangers yesterday on the road in Queens. Craig, I know that starts your attention on the bump as well for this DFS slate on a Wednesday as well. Yeah, dual slate today. So some day games and the night games and, and not a lot to choose from here. There's probably going to be better slates, honestly, to play from. But my advice tonight is if you're going to play the night slate, the 640 Eastern slate over on FanDuel, you're probably best just stacking bats tonight to see if you can come up Maybe try and fit Mookie Betts and Acuna in a lineup. Is that possible? I'm not sure. You'd really have to go cheap with some other options. And if you're going to do that, that's going to start with finding a cheaper starting pitcher tonight, which is what I'm going to try and do here. Try and piece it together with Dane Dunning tonight. Go back to the well. The Mets offense clearly is not what it was two months ago or even a year ago. And this is one of the cheaper options I think that I've given out in terms of pitching lately, but that's just the way that the slate stacks up. So get Mookie Betts in the lineup tonight. He's as hot as anybody on the planet. Doesn't matter who he's facing yep. off with. And and pay up for him. If you can't afford Acuna, maybe another $4,000 player I still think can be in play tonight if you do choose Dane Dunning. Hope for six innings, two-run ball, five strikeouts, and then try and win with the offense. That's my advice tonight. Dun 
Yeah, Dunning and the Rangers, a minus 156 road money line favorite in New York against the Amazons. They've won two straight. Now they are tied for that top spot in the American League West alongside the Mariners and the Astros. Craig Mish, we appreciate the time. As always, we'll send you on your way and see you on Newswire in just under 25 minutes. All right, Ben. Have a great day. Fun college football coming tomorrow. I'll be watching you for a preview. 11 FPS games tomorrow, Craig Mish, including your Florida Gators on the road in Salt Lake against 14th-ranked Utah. Plenty more around Major League Baseball and the National Football League, mainly coming your way next year on the morning after. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Yesterday was an important date in the National Football League calendar for the 2023 season. It was cut day around the NFL, trimming down a roster to only 53 players to move forward to get ready for the regular season, which starts in just over a week. That first full Sunday slate, about 11 days away. Welcome back to this Wednesday, live right here on the morning after on SportsGrid. I am Ben Stevens, and we are very pleased right now to welcome on our NFL insider here across the grid, Adam Kaplan, joins us here on this Wednesday on TMA. Cap, thanks so much for taking the time to join us here following cut day around the NFL. Yeah, Ben, it was an interesting day. Uh, the, the more interesting thing is what some teams did with their positional breakdown, like the Colts yeah. and Eagles only have four receivers. Eagles don't have a punter. The Patriots don't have a backup quarterback. They only have one on the 53-man roster. That's 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 strange. That's not typical. But again, as you talked about, our first game will not be for eight days. And then eleven days, you got the full Sunday slate. But and and by the way, later today, the clubs will start setting their their sixteen man practice squad. When I first started covering the league, Ben, there were between eight and ten players. Now there's sixteen players. And by the way, veterans could be on the practice squads. Certainly, so you could retain some of those names that you waived yesterday. Some familiar names being cut around the National Football League yesterday as well, despite it being Zappy Hour at times last year, Cap, in New England. Bailey Zappy released by New England. Mac Jones, as Kaplan said, the only quarterback on the roster in Foxborough. But all of our attention yesterday, Cap, was on Indianapolis and what would ultimately happen with Jonathan Taylor. Indy keeping JT in Indy, saying they didn't really receive a fair value offer for the National Football League's leading rusher of 2021. Cap, we did know there were some trade offers put into Indianapolis. To your knowledge, what did those offers look like that the Colts received from around the NFL? Yeah, they didn't get a first-round offer, which they were not going to get. I mean, no, no one around the National Football League, Ben, thought that that would happen. I'm gonna I'm gonna take this in a different route. I don't think they wanted to trade him. In fact, I feel very strongly about that. I think what they happened to do is when they knew Taylor did not want to be there, he wanted to be traded, and they knew the thing was not getting resolved anytime soon. They know about his, his his feelings currently and before, so they gave his agent Malky Kawan and Jonathan to pursue this, see what teams they could find. Of course, the Colts can negotiate with clubs like the Dolphins and others, which they did. But they weren't going to get fair market value. They, the guy's not a free agent, first of all. He's still under contract. Yeah. But the, the, the other problem that you have is, from a contractual standpoint, he, he was going to want at least $15 million a year. Why would I say that? If he had been a free agent, that's 
on the market. We're talking about a guy who could leave and not be tagged. That's that's what Alvin Kamara got two years ago, Ben. So yeah. actually two and a half years ago, and then Christian McCaffrey got the best deal in NFL history at over sixteen million a year. But Taylor's not a free agent. And that's the thing here. And and by the way, once he gets back, we'll get into what's going on with his his roster spot in a minute. But once he gets back later this season, even if he plays great, they're going to want him back. And you're looking at the potential of the franchise tag. Now that tag will be higher yep. because his agent, uh, Chad Wiesling, did a smart thing. He negotiated uh, the one-year tag number. He got it a little bit higher than the, the, the of the 10.1 number. So it's a good job by him. But the fact of the matter is, you mentioned it earlier, this guy's their best football player. And they really need him to help a young quarterback who needs a running game in Anthony Richardson. Yeah. When you look at Jonathan Taylor, he is emblematic of the running back conversation cap we have all had all offseason long. He enters year number four, the final of his rookie deal in Indianapolis. He can be tagged by the Colts this upcoming offseason, keeping him off the market at this moment. But cap yesterday, Indianapolis not dealing JT, instead keeping him on the pup list and off the 53-man active roster, being placed on that physically unable to perform list, Kaplan. At this point, he is going to miss, Jonathan Taylor, the opening four games of the year for Indianapolis. So what do you think is the next step then in this saga between JT and the Colts brass? All right, let me explain the the reserve physically unable to perform list, which this player is on, Jonathan Taylor. In training camp, you count against the roster, even if you're not practicing, on the active PUP list. When you go to the reserve list, now the, the old rules used to be you'd have to miss six games, and then you'd have to have a two-game acclimation, two-week acclimation period. That's gone because you couldn't be back to week nine. The because what would happen is Ben, some players might be ready week five or week six, and this, the yeah. player would not be able to be activated off that list. But right now he's on the reserve list. He doesn't count against the roster. And just so you understand how this works, a player legitimately cannot be, like they've deemed the player unable to perform his duty of his job and that Jonathan Taylor obviously be able to practice. It doesn't, it doesn't mean that he can't play the game. It means he can't even practice. Like they don't physically believe he can practice. You can't just arbitrarily move the guy from active to the reserve list and just, just decide to do that, even though he may be able to work. But they're convinced, by the way, Ben, that there was no yeah. way he'd be able to play within those first four games. That is why, by the way, the Cardinals kept their quarterback, Kyler Murray, on that list. They moved to active to reserve because they knew he would not be able to play within those first four games. When you look at Jonathan Taylor, he only played 11 games last year in 2022 because of an injured ankle. There is injury concern for JT entering his fourth year in the National Football League. But, Cap, you made this point earlier. You don't really think Indianapolis wanted to deal him at any point this offseason. Now, as the regular season nears, because he is their best offensive piece to pair alongside a rookie quarterback in Anthony Richardson under a rookie head coach in Indy in Shane Steichen. Six and a half is the win total for Indianapolis entering the 2023 NFL season. Cap, how do you see things going in Indy this year? It's interesting. Last year at this time, the Jaguars, no one believed them. Not not I either. Vegas had them at the Jaguars at five and a half win total, and we were all wrong on that. Now, I think the Colts are somewhere in that five to six win range. Why do I say that? And why don't I think they'll be higher? Taylor's not going to be available for at least the first four games. Deion Jackson and Evan Hall are, are going to back or going to fill in until Zach Moss comes back from his broken forearm. Mm. Zach Moss would have been the number two running back. 
Uh, remember, they acquired him at the trade deadline. The Colts did from the Buffalo Bills. He's a grinding type back. Until then, it's Jackson, who here last week in Philly for the joint practice with the Eagles. He was their first backup. Evan Hall backed up. Evan Hall, by the way, really good last year in, in terms of catching the ball at Northwestern. He had 55 receptions, yeah. so he could help the Colts in that area. But when you look at this this situation, were they really good? They have a rookie quarterback. Nobody knows how well he could do, though he's got a lot of upside in Anthony Richardson. It's going to be fun to watch. Outstanding defensive line, extremely shaken at, at cornerback. They're, they're, they're a bottom five, bottom seven cornerback group. Great defensive line. Offensive line's decent. They've got a brand-new uh, left tackle on Bernard Ryman. They lost one of their guards for the season, Danny Pinter, to a broken ankle. That worries me. They only have four, as I said earlier, they only have four receivers on the active roster. Watch out for Josh Downs, a rookie slot receiver in North Carolina. I know they're very high on him, but on mm-hmm. paper, it looks like a five- or six-win team. Yeah, I, I don't see them getting seven. That that would surprise me. It, for them to do it, Ben, Anthony Richardson would have to play a lot better than most people expect. Yeah, and that will be the charge for AR in his rookie year in Indianapolis. Cap, elsewhere around the National Football League, yesterday following cut day, Vaughn Miller remains on the pup list for the Buffalo Bills. So like Jonathan Taylor, Miller is going to miss the opening four games of this year for Buffalo. Cap, the Bills have the fourth hardest schedule in the National Football League based on our good friend Warren Sharp's win total projections that forecast the 2023 campaign. How significant then is it for Buffalo that Von Miller, their best defensive player, is out the first four games of the year? It's big because he's their best pass rusher. He had the ACL injury. Remember, he got hurt late last season and went on IR in December. It's typically... It's six to nine months for an ACL rehab, as as long as there's no other complications. Playing September was always a stretch, so he won't be ready till sometime in October. Hopefully, uh, it, it's a problem. They did they did sign Leonard Floyd, who was released by the Rams. He's a good pass rusher, by the way. Yeah, they did bring bring back Shaq Lawson for another tour of duty. Uh, their pass rush is certainly questionable. I think that's an issue. They're really good in the secondary. Two veteran safeties. We want to talk about Demar Hamlin in a second. They're very the, the, the strength of their defense is their secondary and their linebacker group. Their pass rush is still suspect. Their offensive line wasn't great last season. That does worry me a little bit. Yeah. Uh, Gabe Davis, uh, what I'm told there was, he had a high ankle sprain prior to week two. It never got right. And to their to, to their credit, they gave him one more shot to be the guy at wide receiver opposite Stephon Diggs. He will be. Uh, and they're going with a new running back, Dalvin Cook's brother, James Cook, and Damon Harris to back him up. But I'm telling you, the other part about this division is it's the Jets, obviously, is a team to watch, and also the Dolphins, whose roster is really, really good. So it'll be hard for the Bills to do it again. To me, it's a two-horse race here with the Bills and the Jets. The Bills open up their season against the New York Jets to cap off week number one on a Monday night in MetLife. Currently, Buffalo, a -a two-and-a-half-point favorite in the regular season debut for Aaron Rodgers in a Jets uniform. Of course, over the past three years, Buffalo has been oh so close to a conference championship and a Super Bowl appearance. They lost in the conference title game against Kansas City in 2020. Then in 2021, they go down in that crazy divisional round game against the Chiefs in overtime in Arrowhead. Last year, failing to take advantage of the opportunity of hosting the Bengals in Wintry, Central New York, in the divisional round as the Bengals went there and blew out the Bills 27-10. But one of the stories to follow this year, Cap, for Buffalo is the return of DeMar Hamlin. He made the 53-man roster yesterday for 
Buffalo. Cap, it's frankly unbelievable. The guy is. is able to play football again, but he is a member of this Bills roster. Cap, here's the point I always highlight. Tamar Hamlin was one of the biggest defensive contributors in that back half for Buffalo a year ago. He played in 15 games. He started 13. He was the Bills' leading tackler in Weeks 9 and in Week 10. So he's on the football field, Cap, a member of the roster for Buffalo. What contribution do you expect Tamar Hamlin to make this season? Yeah, so remember, the, the, the Bills had injury issues, so he wound up playing a lot when they anticipated, and he did very well. He's always been a special teams guy, former six-round pick two years ago. Look, we all saw what happened. Uh, it's something we'll never forget, have a cardiac arrest on the field, and, and it's not only his life to be saved, but he's thriving. He's been cleared medically to play. It's really remarkable. Yeah. I, I mean, it's one of the most incredible stories of my career. We're, the nation will never forget about it. Now, he's a backup safety for them. They've got two veterans, and, and Jordan Poyer and Micah Hyde are terrific. Uh, Taylor Rapp comes over from the Rams, and Hamlin will be in there. I mean, he'll, he'll be a backup safety, but the fact that he's playing, and he'll, he should dress on game day because he's one of the four safeties. You, you, you typically yeah. dress four on game day, sometimes five, but usually four. So this is an unbelievable story. It's the best story of the National Football League of many this season. I, I, I'm, I'm just in awe of it, and thank God for the special yeah. responders to save his life, and it's just so great. Yeah, it feels significant. It feels like a celebration from a horrific incident on a Monday night in Cincinnati that DeMar Hamlin is here and even able to play the sport that he loves. He's a minus 350 favorite. Is Hamlin to win the National Football League's comeback Mm -hmm. player of the year? Cap, I agree with the odds. If Hamlin plays, and he will, he should Mm -hmm. and will win this award. Adam Kaplan, Sports Grid's NFL insider, joining us here on this Wednesday on the morning after on Sports Grid. Cap, we appreciate the time as always. Thank you f- so much for your insight following cut day in the National Football League. You got it. Thank you. As Cap said, just eight days away from the start of the 2023 NFL regular season, it debuts in Kansas City between the Chiefs and the Lions. Only eight days away but before we get there a best bet to round out this wednesday all the morning after that's coming your way next